to avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a podcast. Only a podcast. Only a podcast. Howdy, y'all. This is Los Man here, and I am here with Jeff Brown, who is the director of The Beach House, which is a brand new movie, which is streaming on Shudder. I really enjoyed this movie. And with that, I'm going to introduce Jeff. Say hello to the audience, Jeff. Hello. uh, Thank you so much for having me, Carlos. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, that's good to hear. It's good to hear. Now, let me ask you this. I watched The Beach House twice. I was given the screener, and I really liked it. It was really good. Now, since you're the director and the writer, how long did it take to get this movie made from the first time you started tapping away to Final Cut? About nine years, to be completely honest. Um, the, the path is long and, and uh, circuitous, I think, maybe. You know, it, it was not... I'm based in New York City, and uh, you know, there's, a, there's a healthy, independent kind of film world in New York, um, but even even then, there, there's not a ton of horror films made in this area. Larry Fessenden, I think, kind of has that, that market cornered, and, and even like Jim Mickle making Stakeland uh, is kind of like I think I don't know if Larry Fessenden produced it. Anyway, the, you know those movies aren't made in the city either. But I was based in the city. I think the first draft started coming out around 2011. Uh, our producer Sophia Lin, uh, we had a dinner once, and we were talking about working on movies, and I kind of was like you should produce, you know, one of my scripts. Cause I, I've been writing scripts for a while in between uh, production gigs. And I think that meeting was around 2011. And then I wrote a couple drafts and we kind of went out to some in, in uh, financiers with it. And I, I'm just as to any aspiring filmmakers out there trying to get a movie made based on script alone is very, 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 very hard, maybe even impossible because it's just, Getting somebody to read a 90-page script is, is tricky enough, but then for them to just, you know, give money based on on script, it's it's very hard. So then around 2013, I made a short that I made in, in we shot it in 10 hours in my apartment uh, called Sulfuric, which is, you can find it on YouTube. But that was really when kind of the, the engine for Beach House really started. Um, Sulfuric premiered at Fantastic Fest in Austin, I think in either 2013 or 2014, uh, and it was in a bunch of, of horror and genre festivals across the country. Uh, and then we got into the IFP pro, uh, program with our film, Sophie and I did. And that's when we met uh, another person who became a producer on the film, named Andrew Corkin. And he had produced We Are What We Are and a couple other genre movies. Uh, I think he got involved in 2016. And then that's when we met up with Tyler Davidson, who then had connections to our, our financing. So we were really greenlit. In the fall of 2016, we shot in the spring of 2017. The movie was finished and watchable around 2019. I think that that's when we were kind of like done, done with the movie. And we started playing festivals in the fall of 2019. And now it's uh, July 2020 and, and it's ready for the, uh, you know, the mass audience to, to finally see it. Well, that was pretty um, a pretty great comment there because that, answered a lot of the questions I was going to ask, but oh, thankfully no. I have more. <laughs> Good. Now, you mentioned Larry Fessenden, who I love. I think he's amazing, and he's one of those producer-directors that not many people may have heard of, but they've definitely seen his work. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's not a direct influence. I've watched a lot of his movies, and or, and it's not just him, but there's a whole kind of 
uh, world around him that he's really, you know, involved uh, with film in this area and especially in the Hudson Valley, which is north. If you're not from New York City, the we're on the Hudson River. And if you go up north, um, you know, an hour or two, that's called a, it's considered the Hudson Valley. And he may, he lives up there and he makes a lot of movies in that area. And he's out, you know, he's also uh, helped a lot of young filmmakers uh, start making their own movies. Not me, of course, but, you know, he he's definitely a force in this area. Uh, I had a chance to meet him on uh, he was in the movie The Dead Don't Die, which I I worked on as a location manager. And I actually had an, an opportunity to meet him in person, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, he's uh, you know, he's he's got a ton of them. He's, he's got kind of a Roger Corman, uh, you know, Lloyd Kaufman, kind of those those low budget producers of past who, uh, you know, they just churn them out. And, and every now and then they, they hit them out of the park. Um, but, wow. I, you know, yeah, inter- interesting guy. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, sorry. Now, you mentioned The Dead Don't Die. I did watch that recently, and I will admit, I enjoyed it. I know critics didn't, but I loved it. Yeah, I, it, was, uh, uh, I, I, it was an opportunity. A friend of mine was going to be the production designer on it, and I was uh, finishing up another project, and, and kind of we shot that in the Hudson Valley in the Catskills, which is uh, west of the Hudson Valley, um, in the summer of 2018. And while, while I was working on, uh, dead, don't die, I would come back to the hotel that they put us all up in. And then I would work on the beach house for several hours. So I would do about a 14 hour day on dead, don't die, come back to my hotel, eat dinner and work on beach house for, for three or four hours on top of it. Because we our our movie was very low budget and kind of when you're, when you're operating at, at a lower budget, you know, one of the things that money buys you is speed. And so we just did not have, you know, the, the possibility to, to move very quickly on it. So sometimes, you know, it, it's individual shots. I would, I would be working on them. You know, we worked on those for months uh, and just trying to be very particular about getting, getting the textures right. And um, you know, it was, it, it was an exciting time. It was very hot when we shot the dead don't die. We shot it in the middle of summer and <clears throat> that area gets extremely warm. And I, I just remember kind of sweating and then going in my air conditioned hotel room and, and then working on beach house until about midnight and then, you know, getting up at five in the morning for, for a couple of weeks there. Wow. Yeah. You should spend some time in Texas. You'll get to understand how hot it is. So I know. It, hot. Yeah. It's, I'm not going to compete with Texas heat. You know, I, I think I'm not Texas heat is definitely, we're not, I'm not going to compete. New York heat is, is not getting in those realms, but, but Right now, it's extremely humid in in New York City and very hot here. So that adds another um, layer of uncomfortability and odor that maybe Texans don't quite get. <laughs> um, so that, you know that's something that that's going on right now. But you know, with the, with the uh, uh, pandemic, we're all we've all been kind of quarantined for months now. So it's it's very much about having the the air conditioners blasting. I'm a little nervous about my electric bill this month, but you know we'll we'll deal with that when it comes. <laughs> You know, it's mentioned mentioning the pandemic. That was something I was going to ask about. How, what, what's the word? Coincidental, almost. How strangely weird is it that your movie deals with a potential pandemic or some sort of issue, and it's in released in the midst of a pandemic? I I would chalk it up to a, a horrible irony. You know, I thought I I it's I can't ignore it. It's it's you know it's extremely apparent in the movie about the parallels with what's going on in our uh, in, in the world today and i write horror to me is a very cathartic genre you're kind of letting things out exploring your fears expressing them and and the movie you know I, I wanted it to be an exploration of a lot of my fears 
And part of that was more pertaining to climate change and kind of if you read about climate change and how it pertains to what what problems it is going to cause in the world, uh, which is it's not just you know the temperature rising, but what's going to happen to different areas of the world. They're going to become uninhabitable. Then people are going to have to move from those areas. Uh, and then also they're going to unleash pandemics and, and things that, that have been frozen in the ice or different sorts of diseases that we haven't seen in a while. They're, they're coming back. And um, that to me is extremely frightening. And I, I don't think anyone who's experiencing the pandemic uh, first or second hand, you know, I've, uh, I've been fortunate in, in terms of uh, myself and my family in dealing with it, but I have seen the effects of it in New York City. And, uh, you know, that, that stuff is scary. It also, another thing is, is in New York, I, I've, I've lived through two hurricanes and a, a terrorist attack and um, uh, a blackout. And it's really the shift from normalcy and society being kind of operating relatively normally. And then uh, it's like a car accident kind of, uh, you know, just changing. It's like the week is going to go by fine. And then this event happens on a Wednesday and everything else just flies out the window. And it's really all these other things that, that are kind of, you know, that we think are so important, you know, they, they just kind of fall by the wayside and it becomes a struggle for actual survival, which is, I think, completely terrifying. And, uh, and so those were kind of the, how it, they parallel each other. And, and of course, like I write to keep that, you know, the, I think Stephen King referred to it as keeping the alligators at bay. Now I, I want to keep the alligators at bay. I don't want them knocking on the door. And right now they're knocking on our doors. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a horrible, horrible irony that that's, Right when the when when our movie is coming out, it, you know it's, I you know I, I want people to see it and I hope it gives them time to kind of reflect on 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 where we are as a as a country and as a world. No doubt, no doubt. Now, with that in mind, I was going to mention that uh, the actress that you have cast in this movie, Liana Liberato, she was brilliant. I really was impressed by her. Now, tell me, how did you pick her out in the audition? Well, we, we didn't use a casting director. Uh, our producers had connections with, with uh, agents. And so we kind of, we didn't go through the traditional route. And um, I was looking for not traditional uh, actors, to be honest with you. I, I didn't, I, something that bothers me in horror films is when people are, are really perfect. There's a, there's an element of perfection. I think, you know, actors are perfect professionally uh um you know they're they're attractive that's part of why we like to watch them and both liana and noah who plays randall you know, they're very very uh good looking people that you know but they they have a realism to them i they feel like people that i could i would know um whereas it's in some cases I, I think that sometimes they don't feel like real people and uh with liana it was it was very much um we saw a lot of actresses for the role and she just brought um, something to it that was it kind of can't put into words. And then as we got to kind of seeing her work, she's a very natural, a very instinctive actress. And uh, I'd seen some of the other projects she'd been in, and I thought that this was going to give her a real opportunity to kind of do things she hadn't done. Uh, I think we shot her in a style that a lot of her projects didn't quite do. They're they're more traditionally filmed, and I would consider our film to have a more uh, very modern uh, kind of handheld naturalistic. Uh, cinematography aspect to it but yeah so that's you know and, and it was just it was very serendipitous that we we found her because I, I think that you know she really elevated the project and just did a just did a fantastic job now in the movie she is a college student specifically a stem girl she is a scientist or budding scientist i really appreciate that because you don't see that a lot in movies or horror movies per se was that something that was already in the script or was that something that liana brought to the part 
Yeah, no, that was in the script. Um, the 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 scientific aspect of it, it was something else that we had kind of talked about in the writing. You know, typically in movies like this, you have a, a third act where the government comes in or the scientists or the corporation comes in and kind of tells the audience uh, what's going on. And, you know, in terms of, of people, most people are never going to have the luxury of somebody telling us what's happening. And so we just did not do that. We, we made a conscious decision that we wanted the movie to be an experiential film where, where um, the audience is in the, in the shoes of the characters. It's a very organic film, uh, you know, and very intimate. And so it was a very, very conscious decision. And one of the ways, but at the same time, while we did that, I did want the scientific component. I'm fascinated with astrobiology and, um, and with deep history. And, and I wanted to convey and, and plant those ideas in the, in the, uh, in the minds of our audience when they're watching the film. And, you know, Without we, we had to cheat a little bit and have her you know kind of explain what it is, but but I think it works naturally in the film, you know, in terms of 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 doing of uh, you know putting the putting these scientific ideas in the audience's mind. But you know, it 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 was definitely a, a conscious decision and uh, something that I, I'm very proud of. I think I, I like the way it kind of works in the in the context of the film. What I really appreciate about the film, and I've seen some other reviews talk about, they they build up the Lovecraftian aspect, the Cronenberg aspect. I think a lot of them kind of overlook the fact that this is an isolation horror movie. And it's a strong, you know, sense of isolation. You have a beach house in the middle of nowhere. They have no way out. And like you mentioned a moment ago, no explanation of what's going on. How much do you think the location added to the um, the story? Uh, I mean, the movie was, I mean, it's called The Beach House. So, you know, it's the lo- it, It's very much about the location. And, and I work in production as a location manager. And so for me, a lot of times we do a lot of work to kind of present these great locations to directors and productions. And then after all the money is spent and the permits are gotten and people are paid off and the logistics are all worked out, when you see the final product of, of the movie, it's all about the actor's face. And so I wanted to write, uh, a film about, you know, with a location in mind. And, and I didn't have the specific house in mind when I was writing, but I had kind of the area that um, if you took the, the movie out of the location, it wouldn't work. It had to be on the beach. It had to be in, in an old house. And I also think that old beach houses lend a texture and a quality um, to the, to the, to the film that, that we couldn't, if we had to recreate it, it wouldn't quite work. So that was something else kind of into the DNA of the project, knowing that, you know, it was always conceived of as a low budget film. So that these were kind of these kind of challenges that we were going to have to to deal with. And, and I wanted to to utilize the location as as what it is. I mean, we did some dressing to it to kind of suit the story beats. But by and large, the, you know, the house kind of was what, you know, it, it is what it is. And that was um very much, you know, uh, there's a scene involving a stairwell that we didn't build the stairwell. It was there and it was more or less adjusting the script. I think I, I did a rewrite of the script after we started picking locations to really make them suit the geography of the house and to, and to suit the geography of the landscape, which was very important to me that it, it all kind of felt like it was coming, you know, growing out of the landscape as opposed to us kind of, you know, manipulating the landscape to fit the story. I wanted it to be an organic experience. Absolutely. What I also liked was the movie had really good practical special effects. Tell me about the specs of effects budget. 
Uh, it was low. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't, you know, I, once we kind of got going, they took the, I didn't really ever see the budget again. So I don't even know exactly what the budget of the film is. I know what it's not. And I know kind of like, I know it's between X and Y, but I don't, you know, I, I can't speak specifically. And they really, the producers really wouldn't let me know uh, what we were spending in terms of, of practical effects. It, it wasn't, it wasn't much. I can tell you that. But we, we were fortunate to have um, some very creative people involved with the project, uh, our production designer and our art director and the uh, effects team and, uh, and and our makeup artist who all, they all worked in tandem. And, and kind of when we got into our more involved effects, it was like an all hands on deck situation where they would all be kind of working together uh, because, and we just, the, the, the fact of the matter is we just didn't have the scope or the budget to have tons of people working on it. So it was, you know, everyone, when you were making a movie for, for a low budget, you know, everyone kind of wears a lot of hats and get, and gets really involved and, you know, you don't sleep for three or four weeks, but then in the end, you know, it, it really, there's a, there's a handmade feel to the movie that I, I really appreciate and something that uh, I, I didn't want the movie to, I, I, it's, it is a low budget movie and I, and I wanted that to be apparent, not apparent, you know, but I, I didn't want it to, tried it to emulate a movie, say like color out of space, which had a, had a bigger budget in terms of creature effects. And, and I, I, you know, it's, it's not that I'm competing with that film, but, but that movie looks like what it is. And I wanted our movie to look like what it is, what, what it truly is. So that the, the, you know, to not, you know, just to, it, the movie working on independent movies, sometimes the, the movies are, they're just big budget movies with no, with no money. And I did not want our film to be that. I wanted it to be, a low budget movie in concept, you know, with a limited cast, a small crew, a, a small short shoot time. And, and hopefully that, you know, kind of this, this way, this approach to the film, you know, would lend it some things that you couldn't do on a bigger budget. And, and I, I feel like it does. I feel that, that, you know, that this movie would not be made if it was uh, $10 million, it would be a totally different movie. And I think worse for it. I'll tell you this, man, there's that one scene when um, Liana's character discovers the parasite i'll tell you that that's going to be the money shot for sure that creeped me out when i saw that part it already it has become the uh it's become a big talking point of the movie it's definitely when we first saw it uh when i watched it with an with an audience for the first time it was it was definitely the the scene that worked it was like there were audible reactions to it and it's really kind of, I mean, it, it is, it was very intentional what we were doing uh, because the movie has kind of a, a slow kind of methodical buildup to it. And then I wanted that to be jarring um, back to kind of like when, when disasters happen, they, they are jarring, they shock you. And, uh, and there is a sense of kind of a numb shock uh, that goes on when you're, when you're going through something like that. And I wanted to, to emulate that with what happens to her is very shocking and horrible. And I, I think it's, uh, and again, it's it's Liana's performance in in that moment. She really, really uh, ripped into it and, and just you know just let it out. And you know she kind of goes from zero to sixty real quick. And it w- it was something where she you know she would go into it and just do you know lend that scene the credence uh, that that it was that was it was calling for. And and it was something that even goes back to the script. I think that 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 scene in in the script is pretty close to what what is what you're seeing. So and that's not always the case with from the script to screen with with our movie there are some other scenes that are uh ended up a bit differently than than they were conceived but that one it always kind of felt like that (laughs) 
Now, do you see your film as more horror or sci-fi? It, it, you know, I to me, it's kind of an arbitrary distinction. It, it is a, a, a science fiction horror film. I would probably say that it is a science fiction film with horrific elements. But if somebody feels it's a horror film with scientific science fictiony elements, they're not wrong. You know, and I don't. I, I I'm I'm attracted to and interested in kind of the things that are not uh, clear cut. I like ambiguity. I like mystery. And I want you know I wanted to really ha- imbue a sense of the mysterious. Uh, to the to the viewer and that goes to the genre i mean we play with a lot of different tropes um throughout and that was also intentional so that i think the audience when they're faced with tropes in movies it makes them comfortable because they're like well i know what's going to happen and so we wanted them the uh, the uh viewer to think that they they were you know always one step ahead of our movie but i i don't I, I think that if a, if a, a viewer could predict the last scene of our film from the first ten minutes of it, uh, I, I hats off to them. They they win, but you know I, I don't. I think that that was also much more important to me than you know making something that that fits into a nice genre kind of uh, definition. Uh, to me, I wanted to blend them too much and and to, and to change. I mean, the movie deals thematically with the concept of change, and uh, and as you're watching it, the movie changes. It changes in front of your eyes, and so I think that you know, kind of a, a marriage between theme and execution and story was definitely something that I, I was going for. And, and I, I feel like it's come across. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm just very happy that, that that's how it came out. Absolutely. Now, growing up, what were some of your favorite movies? Uh, horror movies or movies in general? Um, horror movies, sci-fi movies. What movies did you enjoy? I mean, I come from. I'm in my early 40s, so I came of age in the in the video store era. Uh, my parents were big movie fans. We watched a lot of movies in, in my house. Uh, a big one that that's coming to mind, you know, I, I the movies like the Star Wars films and Raiders of the Lost Ark. All of those are very, very much in my DNA. You know, Spielberg is is such a a titanic uh, figure in American cinema that I think that any you know, any filmmaker out there now would be hard pressed to to kind of escape his influence. But to me, Aliens, uh, the James Cameron Aliens was a turning point because it was kind of like an adult science fiction film that that definitely is like a science fiction horror. Uh, I listened to the score actually when we were kind of in post on Beach House removed from the movie. And I think the score is terrifying of, of Aliens. Um, but that was definitely my favorite film for a, a very long time. And it's another thing that in kind of when you're you're kind of uh visualizing movies these uh subconscious other films that that really were influential on you play into it so i loved aliens the lost boys was very what is one of my very favorite movies when i was a kid and both of those movies are in the beach house weirdly enough like in some of the more not even mundane but but less uh pyrotechnic kind of scenes there's coverage and stuff that that are that's from you know aliens or from uh, the Lost Boys are from Empire of the Sun was was one of my favorite Spielberg films and still is. I think it's a a really uh, a brilliant movie and and unlike anything else that Spielberg did. And I saw that movie when it when it came out, so I was maybe ten years old. But to have a movie that that kind of imbues a, an apocalyptic sense, it's very much an apocalyptic movie. You know that 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 has a, a, had a very strong effect uh, on me. And it, it's a creatively apocalyptic film. Empire of the Sun is like. Uh, it's post it's you know pre and post apocalyptic at the same time which is a weird uh, a strange thing to experience which you know i think goes back to uh jg ballard who is a is a major major uh 
actor, or I'm sorry, a major writer, uh, a huge influence on uh, the the second half of, of post World War II science fiction. He's just just a major figure, and I, I think that his writing kind of you know made its way into the Beach House as well through Empire of the Sun and then through some of his science more science fictiony novels. Um, but those are three big ones. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. For me, when I watched Empire of the Sun, the one scene that really stood out to me was when he gets to see the airplane take off and you see it silhouetted in the sun as a reminiscent of the, the rising sun and then it explodes and you see American P-51 Mustangs coming in, flying in to remind them, oh, by the way, we're in charge now. And that just got me excited about that movie. But I, I love that kind of feel that it had where, you know, he was part of the old empire of the English empire and then they were taken over by the Japanese. And now you have an uncertainty now. What next? And, you know, like like you, I love those movies. I love The Lost Boys. I love Aliens. I mean, as about, as a matter of fact, right now above me, my VHS collection right here has Aliens and Lost Boys. <laughs> I mean, they're really, they're really, and you know, Joel Schumacher just passed away, but I, you know, that one I think is, is he made a lot of interesting movies. I think that one in particular is like the crown jewel of all of his films. I think it, it really plays to his strengths is that, you know, he's a very great sense of visuals and mood. I mean, the movie has this amazing, you know, 80s, it's it's one of the most 80s movies there is, and, and not in a bad way. I think it aged uh, very well. I think all the acting is really great in it, and Corey Haim is kind of this weird, androgynous kid that it, it's just a very particular choice that they did uh, at that time when, when those, uh, you know, the, the Corys, it's like the best Corys movie ever. You know, it, it's just such a great, uh, you know, interesting horror film. And it, it is a vampire films go. I think that, you know, it's hard to beat because it really kind of taps into kind of the, uh, you know, the immortality of, of, of vampires and being young forever, which, you know, plays into like Peter Pan. There's a, definitely like a, a Peter Pan aspect to that film. And, uh, and yeah, and Empire of the Sun is just haunting. Those scenes where, where he goes back to his house after he's been separated from his parents and everything is quiet and gone is just, you know, I, I've never seen another movie that, that comes close to capturing that absence, that kind of ghostly environmental absence. And that was another thing that kind of played into, I, I, I think we watched that those scenes in the movie and, and to try to, some of the scenes where Emily is walking through the empty house uh, in, in our movie, you know, there, there are some nods to Empire of the Sun uh, that I don't think anyone would pick up on. And it really doesn't matter. The movie is not a collection of reference points, but but they're in there. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, that that's very interesting to hear because I know that a lot of people out there may not be familiar with Empire Sun. And if they're listening to this broadcast, check it out. It's an amazing movie. Christian Bale is wonderful in it. And you're going to be surprised how young he, he looks in that movie. Yeah, it, it, and it is. It's just one. It's an amazing performance by a young actor. I love when I when I see uh, young actors. Uh, you know, when they when they perform, that to me is is just really really uh, almost magical. It, it's bizarre. Like the, when when you have the, those young kids who can just totally turn it on like that. You know, I think back to Dakota Fanning in War of the Worlds. You know, she's great in that movie. I just watched the remake of, of Pet Cemetery and. Uh, it just, I mean, it's already out, so it's not a spoiler alert, but the, the young actress who plays Ellie Creed in that, you know, she really she really becomes kind of ghoulish in the film. And I, I was really, I liked her performance as, as you know, as the, the undead. Uh, it, it's just, 
I, I'm I'm kind of in awe of of actors in general, but especially of of child actors. And Christian Bale's performance in Empire of the Sun is is just one of the best performances by a, a young actor that you know that that's that's out there. And and of course, you know, his career since then is you know he's just he's he's a you know he's a killer that that guy. <laughs> he, it's going to be great if if he's involved. You know, there's there's an element of quality to it. You know, the, the seriousness and the care he brings to every role is just you know it's it's that's what great actors do. And he he's just amazing. Absolutely. Uh, I volunteered a lot of horror conventions or movie conventions, so I had an opportunity to meet Jackson Robert Scott, who plays little Georgie in It, and I agree with you. You meet those young actors, and you know, just looking at them, he's going to be a brilliant, brilliant actor. Yeah, and, and and sometimes they, you know, I think that sometimes young, I think the actress who played Newt in Aliens, I think that was the only movie she was in. I think she did that, and maybe she did one or two other things, and then she was like, this is not for me. I don't know what happened to her. I kind of feel like she went into science actually, but I thought, I mean, Newt is amazing in aliens. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think young actors, there's not a lot of, of technique that they're relying on. I think it's a very instinctive kind of, uh, performance, uh, uh you know, a, a physical performance for young actors, especially in horror films where they have to be scared for, you know, for weeks on end. It, it's just, uh, you know, the, the director, I think, you know, that's another thing about Spielberg in the scene in Close Encounters, uh, when the, the, the boy is, is abducted, you know, he was just, Spielberg has always been great with, with children and, and in E.T. It's just, that was one of his, uh, one of the, the many things that he brought to, uh, to film is, is elevating child performers, which is, you know, something that you don't really think about because, but, but when you watch older, older movies that have young performers, rarely do they, are, are they as naturalistic as what Spielberg was kind of doing with young actors? Absolutely. Okay. Now, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, uh, are you on the social networks out there? Uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's leftjab2019 uh, is my my Instagram. Uh, they can find me on there. I, I, I've got to be honest. I'm not a huge uh, social media presence, but that's one where I am. Um, you know, I, I the the movie is kind of my... I see the movie as my social media in a weird way. It's like, that's how I'm trying to communicate with people on a mass scale. Um, so, so, but I don't, I don't have a big presence, but I am there if they want to find me. Absolutely. Well, I thank you very much, Jeff. This has been an amazing conversation and I'll tell you what, your movie looks really impressive and it's already getting a lot of good nods out there. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad to, uh, to speak with you and, and uh, you know, I hope uh, your audience watches uh, our movie on shutter. It's streaming right now. So you know, tonight, if you're deciding what movie to watch, uh, this is the one. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's good having you on my show, Jeff, and I look forward to spreading the word about your movie. Thank you so much. Uh, stay healthy.